You're now listening to Off the Collar. Powered by Backswing Golf Events. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Off the Collar, our new working title here. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week. A uh, little bit of a different episode. We have our first teaching professional still with our partners at Backswing, Stephanie Valentine. Thank you so much for joining us this week. How's it going? How's Arizona? Um, it's a little toasty. I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm doing good. Doing good. Just uh, just got back from my hot girl walk around the uh, around Lake or not Lake Austin, Lady Bird, Lady Bird Lake. I don't know why they call it a lake. It's uh, have you ever been to Austin? I've been through Austin. Wish I had more time to spend there. Tell us about this walk. <laughs> so it, it's it's a trail that goes around the the lake, but it's not really a lake. It's like a river. I don't. I still don't understand why they call it a lake. It it when you're on it, you see it's like the water goes straight side to side like a river would. Um, but it's it's right next to my house. I live like right right in downtown Austin, so it's about a five minute walk there. And then the whole path, if you go around it one time just walking is about two hours. Um, so it's a good, like, and, it, and it's hot out. It's super humid. So I'm still kind of sweating from, <laughs> from, do, from doing it. It's a, uh, let's compare. Yeah. Let's have a, a, a hot off. It's 80. Yes. I think it was 87. With some humidity though. Yeah. With some humidity. I don't know what we're at, but I know we're going to be hotter than 87. So like I was telling you earlier, our AC decided to uh, take a kerplunk. So whenever that happens, it's like it's, emergency situation, you know? Right. It's brutal. <laughs> yeah, it is brutal. But um, yeah, so I'm actually kind of excited always to have an excuse to do something inside instead of being out there under the sun, which you, you do get um, accustomed to playing in the super hot weather. I think especially in Arizona, we're a nice, I say nice, nicer dry heat. And you can kind of do the uh, shade seeking golf cart. I'm not a walker. I'm a rider uh, golf cart, you know, just darting in and out of the shade spots as you play around and stay hydrated. It's doable. If you're a soldier, it's doable. Right. Right. I mean, it's, I've spent quite a, quite a bit of time in, in Phoenix. Everybody tells me, oh, it's a dry heat. I like, I, I can't, it's still super hot. I don't, I don't know how you guys, how you guys stand it. Uh, well, I'm learning now. I'm learning now. I'm spoiled being from San Diego for sure. Um, oh, you're so spoiled with San Diego, but I mean, Arizona, it's, it's the desert, you know, in the Phoenix area. So there's huge temperature fluctuations. So if you don't mind waking up really early and, uh, you know, go seek out a night range once in a while. A lot of the lessons I teach are at night ranges, um, which is great because it starts to cool off some misters out there and, uh, it's not so bad at all. Right. Right. I'd much rather do that than have to play with like a Chicago or a Minnesota winter, you know? Right. Right. How long have you been in, in Arizona now? Um, longer than I want to admit just because it'll give away my age but um I've been in Arizona about three decades now so okay I um first moved to Arizona from Alaska and uh moved to Prescott which is about two hours north 
kind of smallish, getting bigger every day, baby Denver style town, um, a couple hours north of Phoenix, um, and uh, lived there until high school. They didn't have a girls golf team up there, so we relocated my family so I could play girls golf in uh, the Phoenix area. Horizon High School in Scottsdale. Okay, very cool. So you didn't learn how to golf in Alaska. That wasn't that wasn't until you moved to Arizona. Correct. But I have had the privilege of golfing in Alaska. There is some golf in Alaska. Um, you definitely want to keep it in the fairways. the The woods are heavy. You're not getting that ball back. You might get a bunch of mosquito bites, and that's it. Really? Okay. Interesting. Is it? I don't know why in my mind I think you have to play with like a black golf ball just to find where it goes. But that is that the case or is it is it more normal than maybe I'm I'm thinking? I don't know. You might see my thing is like I can only see white golf balls. I these new colors and uh you know the black ones I can't see at all. And then any like pink orange it's like if you get out of the fairway they just look like the desert scape. Um Yellow, I can't spot it all against the sun or against the kind of yellow tone grass. So yeah, I just have trouble seeing anything but white. Like my eyes are so trained. I'm old and I'm old school. I'm just trained to see the white ball. I'm I'm the same way. I don't know. You could give me a Pro V1 that was a different color. Something about it, I'd be like, no, this doesn't feel right. It feels different. It's not the... I'm very much like, I need a golf ball to feel right in my hands, even though it's like, it shouldn't really matter. Um, you vibe with your golf ball a little bit, you know, you're like, I see you, you know, you're feeling it. And then it just feels right when you stand over it. And right. Yeah. You form a little relationship. You For do. sure. I mean, my, <laughs> my mom started playing golf over COVID and she, that's awesome. She more or less hoards golf balls as she should, as you, as you're just starting. <laughs> But I remember, so when I moved to Austin, she, she really liked, I had this, this vessel, like it's definitely a little bit girly, but it was a vessel bag that was made for like the British open and it's like white and purple. It's super cool. Um, but it was definitely like a touch more feminine than maybe I should have been using. So what I did was I, she was using my other bag, which I could go get, but it's like probably one of my favorite vessel bags I've ever gotten. Um, that's like pineapple-y and like Hawaiian style. It's orange and blue. And she, so cool. she was using that. So I basically, long story short, I swapped the bags for her before I left. And Win-win situation. Yeah. And when, when I did that, she had so many golf balls in her bag. <laughs> it was, <laughs> if I were to estimate, it was around 50. And they were all, oh they were all different colors. And I was like, you know, feeling those Volvic balls are like red and orange and blue. And I was like, this feels so foreign. This is so strange. What are the quality of these golf balls now? Are these all like playable and good condition? Or are we talking like she's just completely overvaluing the value of a golf ball and you've got like smiles in them and no dimples anymore. No, they're, they're, they're usable for sure. I don't know what her threshold is in terms of like going to another ball. <laughs> I think yeah. she's been playing a lot more now. So I think she's, you know, graduated to more high quality balls, but I think my dad had instilled, instilled like when she was getting started it didn't really necessarily matter. And we, we, uh, 
we're members of a, a golf course, La Jolla Country Club in San Diego. So there'd be oh, nice. no there'd be no shortage of golf balls for her to find that were like yeah. decent quality. And then yeah. um, you know, there was never maybe a few times she'd find a range ball here and there, but they our range balls are pro V's now. Like back in the day they used to be kind of pinnacles and not very good quality. So she might find a few, but no, she's 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 not slumming it anymore. I just think she was literally just hoarding them for whatever reason. It sounds like she hits the ball pretty straight, right? Like she's not losing a ton of golf balls here and yeah, there. Yeah, very true. She's not losing. We don't have any water on our golf course either. So there's not really, you know, she doesn't hit the ball far enough necessarily to lose that many. Um so that could be part of it. Again, it's maybe we just never gave her a threshold of like, okay, you can go to a new ball now. <laughs> this, they, I mean, she would be in these groups of, you know, women's, they have, I think they play Tuesdays and Thursdays. They have like WGA stuff. And um, she was doing fairly well. So I can't imagine she would be using like terrible quality balls or anything. Um, but and we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. This episode is brought to you by Backswing Golf Events. Backswing Golf Events is a group of over 250 professional women golfers who are running charity events throughout the country, raising millions of dollars for these charities in the process. Our very own Rachel Jones has been with them for a couple years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been with them for a few years, going on my third year. Uh, I really love the company. We not only raise money for amazing charities, but also create very fun environments for the players for charity events. We do long drive. We also do our uh, normal beat the pro on a par three, and we do roaming pro, which is one of my favorites. We hit shots with multiple uh, players throughout the round. So it's a really fun company to be a part of. Very cool. I've been to quite a few of these events uh, for you guys out there that might need a little bit of added spice. These girls bring a lot of fun, a lot of energy, and they just bring a good time to, you know, any sort of event you guys might have. I've done a couple of scrambles, a couple of shotguns. Definitely recommend going there and checking them out at uh Backswing Golf Events is our Instagram handle, or you can DM us at birdieme underscore podcast, or check out the website, www.backswinggolfevents.com. That's so cool. She started golfing. Um, I mean, that was really the silver lining of COVID was the fact that so many more people started, you know, golfing. It was like one of the few things you could kind of do still, you know, and it got you out of the house and even socializing and working on something, you know. For sure. It, it's uh, in, in one of my side hustles, I work for a company called Curated, which is like, I'm basically like a virtual assistant um, where you go to our website and you find a little chat bubble. And then I advise you on like clubs that would be good for you. And oh, cool. I would say like a majority of what we do are complete sets, especially for like golfers that are just getting started and are probably like super athletic or like really tall or real, like the, the range of golfers, as I'm sure you've seen in giving lessons is like, has gotten so much wider over the last yes. couple of years. Like I remember... I remember seeing there was a play it against sports near me in San Diego. And I remember seeing like an older woman coming out of the store 
with a steel shafted driver. Like clear, it was probably like a lady Cobra from back in the day, but I was, I was just laughing. I'm like, she probably just bought that for $20. You know, we had, I mean, let's go though. There's nothing wrong with being an overachiever. (laughs) No, no, absolutely not. I was, I was laughing, but it's like, that's, if I were just getting started, that's where I would look is one of those kinds of, of stores. And you'd never know, you see it on Instagram all the time of like somebody finding a Scotty Cameron at a thrift store for like $20 or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it was just funny. I'm like, you're, it, it was cute, right? They're, they're trying to play and find some new stuff. But anyway, you yeah. do, you do see like, there's a, a huge, a, a different, a different type of golfer. Now I had a guy yesterday asking me for, you know, a complete set, which is like drivers through putter with a bag, but he's six foot five. So, you know, it's allowing, and there are companies now, uh, that have longer clubs so that they can, you know, get into the game and they don't have to hunch over or, you know, sticks golf is one of them. There's a couple different brands out there. Um, that I've like seen this opportunity and, and kind of risen to the occasion. Um, but let's get into a little bit about, you know, you are our first teaching pro uh, on the podcast. I definitely want to dive into that because, you know, I've played basically since I was six years old. Uh, I've only had three coaches over that span um, and they had very different uh methods in terms of what they taught and very different clientels as well. Um, you know, I was playing yeah. collegiately and professionally, so it's, it's different going from, you know, I'm not a te- teaching professional. I can, I can help people out in terms of like maybe strategy or giving them stuff that maybe works for me or has worked for me over time. Yeah, you can share your experiences, of course. Right. But I, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I have the patience to be teaching. That's, that's my excuse. <laughs> a lot of patience. That's my excuse. Uh, I'm sure I'll dive into it at some point, but I'm like, I, I played with a buddy of mine that is relatively new. And I told him, and I tell people this all the time, like, I don't, I'm not the kind of guy to give unsolicited advice. Like if you want, yeah. if you want tips from me, you're going to have to ask me because <laughs> I, and this is a bit of my background is I had, at a point in time, too many voices in my head telling mm-hmm. me different things because there are so many different ways out there. So, you know, I don't want to give people too much advice. I want them to figure out what works for them. Right. So it's actually a part of my teaching philosophy, right? Like I, um, if I can kind of veer off on tangent, it's like you say all these things and I'm like, Oh, I have something to say to that, but then my ADD will prevent me from going back to it. So I'll just say it like, as I think of it, I guess, before I forget it. But there's so many different, um, like, learning styles and methods. And I think that part of being a good teacher, on top of being a good player, because I think that you have to be a good player to be a good teacher in golf. I just believe that. I don't think golf is one of those things you can, what do they say, like, those who can't do teach. I think to be a good teacher in golf, you have had to at least play probably past college golf. You just have to, like, know how certain things feel. But then on top of that, it's about having good bedside manner and at least be able to talk to somebody in the way they want to listen to what you have to say. And then you have to be able to kind of tap into what their learning style is. Somebody like you that has a thousand voices going on, it's like, keep it simple, you know, and then 
somebody that, you know, might just be kind of a spaz, it's like, all right, I got to calm them down, give them some focus and a drill. And so, um, you know, it is a lot of patience and a lot of giving of yourself because if you're doing it right as a good teacher, you really have to try and put yourself in this person's psyche to see how they would learn most efficiently and have the most fun doing it too. And then it's like a gym, right? Like this is kind of what you were talking about earlier where I can go and want to get that bikini body and pay for my personal trainer, my golf coach for golf. And then, you know, I can learn all the proper form and uh, get the best gym membership and the cutest gym outfit. But I still have to go there and put in my reps if I want that result. And the same thing with golf. Like, you can't just pay a coach that's great to be a great golfer. You have to be working on it yourself and putting in some practice and enjoy that journey, you know? Because otherwise, you just won't get better. Or that bikini body. Right. And we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. This episode is brought to you by LaHoya.com. While I'm currently living in Austin, Texas, as you can tell by my Padres uniform, I am from San Diego originally, well, technically La Jolla, which is about 15 minutes north of the San Diego airport. If you're wondering, why do I know that name? It's where they have the farmer's insurance open every year, and they have the infamous 2008 US Open where Tiger Woods won the whole thing in dramatic fashion on basically one leg. If you're ever in town, you can feel free to reach out to me, but you should go check out LaJolla.com. You'll find a wide range of topics from the history of La Jolla, the stunning coastal landscapes, cultural events, wildlife encounters, and top-notch restaurant and dining experiences. They provide insider tips, recommendations, and even virtual tours to help visitors make the most of their time in La Jolla. And if you're looking for some local recommendations on some golf courses, there's some from me personally in there as well. Whether you're looking for adventure, relaxation, a little bit of golf, or a taste of the local scene, LaJolla.com is the go-to destination for all things related to La Jolla and San Diego tourism. So remember that name, LaJolla.com, L-A-J-O-L-L-A.com. Go check it out now and make the most of your time visiting the Jewel of San Diego. All right, welcome back, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, one thing I want to kind of go over you you teach at three different locations right now is that right yes yeah so um I, my home course is laundry out in chandler it's awesome semi-private the owner and his son and actually their head pro as well just a very supportive communal longtime pga guys great golf course to just be a part of so i i love being out there um, and I really try and keep my hands in that pot, even though I'm so stretched out from a schedule standpoint. Uh, I teach at Greenfield Lakes, which is a municipal course, um, super family vibe, beginner golfers. Um, they just put a brand new Top Tracer driving range out there. It's got some shade, cool sim room, just all the vibes, right? It's just a fun place to go and hang out and um, I really enjoy being able to give uh, women's clinics out there to beginners golfers and um, also the junior clinics. I mean, kids are my whole passion. I love teaching junior golfers. And then um, I'm also out at Top Golf Scottsdale. Um, I help run their junior golf academies, do uh, 
corporate events and um, individual group couples lessons, both on course, on range. I just do it all. One stop shop with me, you know? <laughs> so you get a pretty broad spectrum in terms of your clientele. Yes. Like give, give me your typical client from each place because my, the most interesting thing I think is the top golf portion because I would imagine most people don't even realize there is like a teaching aspect to, to top golf. Um, you know, it's not something that I would even have thought to recommend to somebody. Like I get those questions all, all the time in my side gig. Do you know anyone in this area for a lesson or what, you know, it is kind of tough to maybe it's just like an ego thing to figure out where to go. But anyway, tell, tell me like who you're, maybe you can go into some examples of your students, but from each place, like what kind of clients do you typically work with? Certainly on um, a wide variety, which is why I teach at the places I do. So, I mean, not to, um, speak ill of the private country club lifestyle because it's awesome. And like, I hope I'm raking in the money to go do that myself when I retire one day. But, um, for my day-to-day -day joy, I love the variety that I get from working at different locations. It's a huge part of what I, what I love about backswing golf events as well. And um, getting able to meet all these different people from different walks of life. It's beauty of golf too, right? Like who would have thought you'd be friends with all these different types of people, but golf is one of those amazing things that brings everybody together. Um, I love Top Golf for that reason. Um, they kind of are a hybrid of this social venue and let's pick up a golf club and hit a few. And it really helps bridge the gap between golfer and non-golfer. Now all of a sudden we have these people who might not have ever picked up a club being peer pressured to go with their buddies or whatever. And it's like, oh, hey, this is kind of fun. I just hit one into the target or killed all the piggies and angry birds and now I'm hooked. Um, so Top Golf and Greenfield Lakes both I have very varied um, clientele. So uh, juniors from a, a wide range of just starting out as a taught, essentially, and I essentially just tell them, like, keep your feet still and watch the ball and some manners and etiquette and half-hour lessons, all the way to um, some junior girls that I have that are very ambitious about playing um, college golf and we, we do a lot of like mentorship stuff and on course play and talking about different um, things ranging from the mechanics of the golf swing to how to handle the pressure to how do I ask my dad for this or that. And um, then I've also got, uh, you know, guys that just retire that I, I do a lot of ex-baseball players. If I had to say one thing that's kind of unusual about my clientele compared to a lot of others is I kind of got into dealing with a lot of um, former baseball players, uh, both high school level all the way up through retired, that were trying to kind of convert their baseball swing into a golf swing. And for some reason, I can just see it. You know, my boy, he plays baseball. He's a, a freshman in high school. And, I, you know, I cup wrist, chicken wing. Oh, I know what you did. You played baseball. And um, I'm really good at coming up with the drills to help them fix that. So... Yeah, I mean, and then women's clinics, it's like, I, I guess I could talk about just my clientele for an hour. It's like everyone. And I love the women's clinics. I'll get this little, you know, cute little 77-year-old lady, and I just get her hitting a 
straight long drive and that look on her face of surprise and then she just gets up and does it again herself it's amazing right that's probably one thing that would draw me to teaching is I do love like if I give anyone advice it's probably more towards my dad him and I have kind of grew up I don't know if I should say grew up together but you know he's he's been there for a lot of the lessons I've had and a lot of the stuff like we do similarly like there's there's a lot of connection there and a lot of stuff I can relate to and just like little things that I can just make him think of and and we'll have I do miss this just being in San Diego because we would have sessions on the range occasionally where he'd look at me I'd look at him and and see like you know what's going on um and it is fun to like when that light bulb goes off yeah right um you know it's because you're proud of them and you're also like kind of proud of yourself because you're like oh that's like concrete proof that I just like totally help that person not only hit that golf shot, but feel better about the golf shots they're going to hit in the future. Maybe you help them like golf a little bit more. Um, Maybe you give them hope to hit a type of shot they never thought they could. And a lot of those golf, you know, client uh, teacher relationships turn into friendships. And then it's like, you know, for your whole life. Yeah, absolutely. I've had the same, I've had the same coach since I was 13 years old, uh, Chuck Courtney, who uh, he played on tour back in the 60s. He has five or six wins on tour. Really, really known for, I mean, he does all aspects of the game, but really known for like his short game prowess. He was um, under the, he was under the old school mentality of uh, basically I had zero film, like very little uh, everything was feel based. He taught me pretty much how to shape the ball. Um, like I can, I can turn it any which way and it's a hundred percent feel based, but it's funny, uh, when I was going through, you know, high school golf and this is right when I think the iPhone came out, maybe when I was in middle school, high school area. So filming yourself became much more prevalent in golf and much more available Um, and I always felt like I was missing out for some reason, or I always felt like I wasn't getting as much out of it as I could, uh, where now that I'm older, I'm actually the opposite where I'm like, I think there might be too much, um, out there in instruction. I think a good mixture of both is what allows people to figure out what works, um, you know, it, with, with all the technology, you know, TrackMan and everything, it's, it's great, but I think you get uh, a lot of one-trick ponies that don't have the ability to figure things out when they inevitably go south. Well, it's just information uh, overload, right? It's like we've got all this information, and um, without the help of a good instructor, too, it's hard to filter through it and figure out what is applicable for you in your golf game and the way your body works. And it's also kind of dangerous. It's like, you, you know, you're never supposed to WebMD when you feel like you have a cough or a headache. And it's the same thing with the golf video. It's like, help me care my slice. And then, okay, you've got like a thousand different conflicting videos telling you how to fix it. And now you start off, you're like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to try that drill. And then 
you know, 10 drills later, you're like that meme with the guy and the 30 different swing training aids. And he's like trying to hit a golf ball in this like Michelin man costume. And it's like, okay, well, there's got to be some type of um, simplification process that happens. And I mean, that's kind of how I coach. And then I've got coaches that I go to that teach like, you know, more elite level golf golfers at like college level and higher. And, um, I definitely think there's a time and place for TrackMan and um, video feedback as well. So Phil Mickelson back in the day was, it's funny because you're talking about like how old you are and I'm like, dude, I'm so much older. I remember when I got my first video uh, feedback, my golf coach at the time was Lynn Marriott, who is uh, half of Vision 54, very prominent um golf instruction uh conglomerate if you will they're just awesome uh but yeah we got on hopped on that vhs and i got to like look at my golf swing on video and i was just like wow it's like hearing your voice in a in a camera for the first time where i didn't realize that's what i looked like and so that feel versus real component in golf is huge i definitely think in this day and age you're kind of silly not to videotape your swing it's so easy and cheap to be able to do it and like phil mickelson getting that mirror practice feedback looking at your swing can be extremely beneficial for any level of golfer and then i'll go out to like legacy and talk to william eldron camp and have him plug me into the track man when i want to know like oh what's my swing path what's my um you know attack angle how's my smash rack all that club head speed or you know, so yeah, definitely you need a mixture of both. Um, and you've got to know, oh, this is my mental tendency. I'm an overthinker. Or, oh, I don't do enough uh, analyzation of data after my round. Know what type you are and then practice accordingly, you know? Right. I think that's where instruction can help is like diagnosing, self-diagnosis better be and maybe this is like me being hard on myself, but it better be darn spot on yeah, if you're going to self-diagnose. It's dangerous. Slippery slope. Um, it, it is because it's, and it, it kind of goes back to having too many voices in your head. Um, but this is where I I love TrackMan for, and, and all those different launch monitors for the reason that it can prove your diagnosis. Yes. Right? It's, I, I got into fitting basically out of college. Awesome. Uh, I, was a, I was a fitter for Callaway and then most recently for Cobra. And I'm just getting into fitting now, and it's fascinating science. Lots of data. Yeah, So, but I, I love it. it. it it's, it's a lot, but it, it really – you have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because I – and, it, it, again, it kind of alludes to what you're saying is knowing who you're talking to and how much information you want to unload onto them. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example with a friend of mine, Jack Barber, who had an amazing tennis career, um, but unfortunately had a couple injuries. And he played golf growing up, but he's really like the last couple years, like really dove into it, playing competitively, going into fittings. And, and he's a really smart guy. I went to Stanford. Like he's a really smart guy. So I, so I can explain to him, like certain things on TrackMan, and he'll understand it. But he also, he also, and he he will admit this self-admittedly. Like 
has a very low golf IQ, which I think is actually great. Like I'd, I'd rather somebody just like take the advice and roll it, run with it like he does yeah. than, than the opposite of like take the take the information and just be overwhelmed by the data. It's a really good point too, like as it applies to golf and mentorship, it's like a lot of golf instructors get ego wrapped up in this or that and like, oh, I'm this type of instructor and level blah, 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 this. Like I've seen some of the best instructors I know at like muni courses and I've seen some terrible instructors that charge $400 an hour just to plug you into a track man, but their pro shop is fancy. Um, Also, like if you're getting into instruction, be a sponge, like don't act like you know more than you do. And if you are dealing, you know, if you're starting off young and teaching, don't be afraid to tell your student, I don't know on something and then go research it and figure out the answer. But, um, you know, it's a lot better to give no information than false information. That's kind of the web of stickiness within the golf teaching realm. Like there's no super concrete set of rules. It's more like who's helping you along your journey. And that's going to be some different things for different people, you know, but I would, I would much rather have, you know, a caddy tell me like, I don't know how far to hit that shot or a coach tell me let's research this together than just have somebody give me bad information that hurt me, you know, or pretended to know something they didn't. And then it prevented them from learning. One thing I want to just go over is something that I think has helped me since we're on the topic a little bit of track man and diagnosis. And I think you can allude to this as well. The last couple years or so, I've tried to really hammer home like a few small things in my in my game that I want to focus on that are always like my my foundation right something that I can fall back on Um, and I think there's a lot of things that we can get a little too convoluted with so that was my basic thing as I'm getting older is like how can I keep my game solid and not have to like this sounds kind of bad but not have to practice as much as I used to so one thing I do every time I play is I use something called a DST compressor. Have you ever seen one of these before? Yes. Okay. So it's a, and I have it right here. It's a, uh, bent club. It's kind of hard to see in the camera, but it basically emulates impact. And there's a, there's a few different ones out there. There's, um, tour strikers, I think is another one. There's a couple different Shout ones. Shout out but- Martin Chuck. but I think what I like the best about this is I don't worry about my positions in my swing. I just worry about the one thing that I think matters the most. And that's my impact position with my hands always in front of the ball. And it gives me immediate feedback in terms of where I am path wise. Like basically if I start hooking the ball a lot, and this is maybe just my, um, tendency, but if I start hitting a lot of balls to the left with this one, I know that I'm kind of casting it from the top and not keeping my angle all the way through the ball. So this has really allowed me. And I, I think another part of it too, is I had somebody solidify this for me, um, to basically just keep doing this, but I've had this for maybe hmm, three, four years now, maybe longer. It's, it's, 
it does a few other things for me too. I use it for short game and like pitching and shipping. Yeah, they're great for tempo um, too, right? Yeah, it's it's it does basically everything I I want it to do. I think they're great uh, for but, players that are kind of at your level, you know, advanced golf game, not not super mechanics based anymore, more feels where I mean when you talk to the greatest players and coaches, there's a huge feel element, but a lot of that yeah. comes from the fact that they've just been doing it so long and hitting so many balls that it becomes a second nature, it becomes a feel they can get back to. A lot of the people I teach don't have feels yet. So these types of training aids can be effective in like developing rhythm and tempo while subconsciously helping them with the things that they don't even know they're working on, like their impact zone and their face angle and their, I mean, I guess they can kind of feel face angle, but you know what I'm saying? It's like some of the stuff that I try and coax people into, it's like, oh, and this is helping you in other ways that you don't even know. I just don't want to short circuit your brain. And for you, just going out there and getting some rhythm. And um, I, I like a few drills. I mean, it's important to play. You know, your type of golfer, I would say, like, you just need to be playing a lot and then work in practice. I remember, I think I heard in another episode, you don't, you said you get bored practicing. So just kind of find some drills that you think are fun to do. And then, um, you know, especially around the chipping and putting, you can come up with all kinds of fun stuff and competitive stuff. It helps to go out there with a buddy, you know, like practicing it's, it's a lonely existence for a lot of these people that are grinding on the tour. And if you can just have somebody go out there with you, even your dad or something, they don't have to be a great golfer and just kind of, you know, make the time pass by a little more enjoyably. That's a huge part of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, I've always thought the best way to get better is playing with good players. And, and unfortunately it's like, and, and fortunately, unfortunately you have to get, everyone starts at some point, like starts somewhere. Right. And we all have our egos and it's hard to be like, if you're just starting, like trying to play with good players is maybe a hard conversation to have or figure out exactly how to go about it. Right. Um, yeah, I actually of... have an interjection here because I can relate. I took a long time off golf entirely for to have kids and raise them well. And um, I didn't want to be a, a bad golfer or a bad mom. That's what I always say. So I took time off the game. And when I got back into it, um, I had these expectations that I was going to, you know, in one aspect, it's like I wanted to be right back where I was before, like as good of a player. And, you know, there are a lot of elements when you take a break from golf that are like riding a bike, especially if you play golf at an elite level, you can get back there quicker. But there was a huge period where I would just go and play and I was like the worst golfer in my group. And I definitely felt like I was struggling to keep up. And that's what made me get my game back so quickly though, is I was going out to Dobson playing in the Friday game with players like Brittany Yada and just like, she would beat me by so much. And I'm just like trying to claw my way to get, closer and closer to that level of play. And because I kept putting myself in that uncomfortable situation, I got to where I am today, which is a a far better um, player that's better than how she was in college golf. And I also have that like worldly perspective, you know, because I'm old, wise, wise. (laughs) But yeah, there's some ego and some pride and you really just got to shove it to the side to be the best golfer you can be. It makes it more fun for everybody. You'll have friends. Nobody likes that douchey guy that comes up there and he's like, "Mm -hmm," you know, my club head speed. And she's like, go home, buddy. You know? (laughs) 
<laughs> it's it's a it's a game that's meant to be played with people. I I struggle going out and playing by myself. It needs to, you need that camaraderie. Um, you know, I had a game in San Diego that I would put on every Sunday with 20, 25 of the best players in the club. But what it's and this is something too, if you guys are out there trying to, you know, get into golf or get better at it or thinking about joining a club definitely feel out the social factor of it because even though I have this group of 2025, uh, 2025 players, they're all guys I want to play golf with. They're all, they're all, they're all cool guys. Like even if we didn't have golf, I'd go have a beer with them and you don't, you don't find that, you know, there's a reason I'm a member, uh, at, Ahoy Country Club because it has a camaraderie base that I wouldn't find really anywhere else. It's very hard to find. We're getting a little short on time, so let's go into uh, a couple. You had a couple questions from your followers. I just wanted to make sure we address those. What was okay, the, uh... so the first one asking what is my favorite part about golf? Um, I mean, I love golf itself. The sport, the game is beautiful because it taps into uh, both the physical and the mental, which is huge. But I think my favorite part about golf is what we were talking about earlier, where um, you just get to meet all these different people at different places in their life. And I think it's really what life truly is all about, is cultivating those relationships and working on the common goal of just getting that little white ball in the hole and it's amazing like what that does to bring people together. It's very unifying. And so that community aspect is probably my favorite. 100%. I think you hit the nail on the head for me as well. Is My biggest thing is golf allows so many opportunities to make a good memory, right? It's like that. that is something I think more and more – maybe as we get older, we try to cultivate, but every round you go out, you have that opportunity, right? Something can happen that you, you make a memory with your friends or whoever you're playing golf with, you know, the, the best times I can remember on the golf course are actually the, probably the times afterwards where you're having a beer, talking about the rounds, like, man, I took, I took a hammer bet on this hole from eight feet where I probably shouldn't have taken it, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to make this on top of them. Like that, that's what, that's what you can, when you're, you know, set, when we're on our deathbed at Sunday, you're going to remember those times. You're not going to remember. Yeah. I love we'll that. See you later. Great mindset. This keeps, has been off the collar powered by backswing golf events. So we'll see you later. Um, the next question this is has been me about off the collar powered by um, backswing golf events. I mean, I think a golf club is a golf club. We'll see you in later. my mind, it's like, this has well, been you off can the collar. Well, I'm very powered by backswing golf this. events. I can look at your swing and tell you like, Oh, well you swing your driver 91 miles per hour. You're probably not going to do well with a two iron, you know, but it's like when you are talking about having the number two wood, I think that's just fine if the loft is lie angle shaft flex are good for your golf swing then why not there definitely could be a time where you might need it on a, a longer hole or maybe if you play the skins game at Papago you need it off the tee on a par three um so yeah there's a time and a place sure 
That's a that's an interesting one, and I, I'm sure they're referring to like mini drivers too. I think so. Like the the burner one that just came out from Taylor made. Uh, I was with Callaway when um, like the mini driver basically first came out onto the scene, um, and I was playing professionally at the time. I remember those. They were cute. They honestly, they're. I'm a big fan. I think they are definitely more driven for off the tee than they are off the fairway. I think fairway. so too. Um, and more for like control, there was, people that spray a little bit might might be right. worth a try. It it's always a conversation between like the fitter or coach or whoever and the golfer and what makes sense for their game. It's like so for me when I was playing tournament golf and using that mini driver i had it with me at all times didn't mean i i used it for every tournament it depended on the setup like there was a tournament i played at the greg norman course in uh in palm springs that course is so firm and fast and narrow um fairway wise that i didn't really need driver i could hit that thing and you know get it in the fairway and it would roll forever. I love that thing for that course, yeah, but there's, roll. yeah, but then I would, I would lose, it would actually go too far on occasion if I was trying to hit it into like a par five or anything. It's, it's not, in my opinion, it wasn't a control club. It was like a fairway finder, but also hit it as hard as you can. Yeah. Right. Um, I think they, you see a lot of guys using them right now that have switched. It's, I don't know. Whatever works. We have 14 clubs for a reason. Whatever works for your game, give it a give it a try. I don't I think it's in terms and this is my golf industry brain working. It's maybe like less than a, a percentage of the industry uses like that club. Right. Like it's not a huge it's not a huge seller. Like people are still going to buy drivers. Um and they have a lot of three woods that are stronger lofted. But if you're a guy maybe that has struggled with driver for years and years and, and you just you have hate that three mental, good. like i hate my driver and then under pressure yeah. and like you said if the course layout is conducive to maybe being able to like oh it's super narrow but you're gonna get way more roll with this two metal give it a try but like um i don't know i mean i don't have a ton of experience i've never really needed one for my game or had too many students I really like to encourage students not to be scared of their driver because I get a lot of that. Remember I said I work with a lot of baseball guys, so right. I really like being able to help with the driver, but I can definitely think of a time and a place where two wood could be helpful. Yeah, I mean, it. Dri driver is the biggest sweet spot in the bag, or it, I hope I hope it is. It should be. Yeah, 100%. So, um, but, you know, it's again, you just have the conversation with the guy. I've, I have, I've had customers in the past that, um, were playing like the old school, big Bertha driver and you give them, you give them the new driver and it looks like a spaceship, yeah. which is understandable, Yeah, you know? And it's like, okay, you're, you're not comfortable. I don't want somebody to be uncomfortable with it. I'll, you have to explain like the benefits to a bigger driver. Absolutely. But there's definitely guys that, you know, play a certain way maybe they're you know i won't go into too much detail with most people probably but maybe their attack angle is super steep that usually doesn't work very well for a driver um or you know 
the other way with baseball players, they're probably way too, their attack angle is way too up on it. Um, I will say though, I changed my swing in my sophomore year of college and I was looking at a lot of baseball swings. So there's a lot of correlation between the two. I love yes. baseball players and hockey players yes. are some of the best golfers I have. Well, they get so much natural lag. They, it's unreal. And then hockey players, a lot of times are good at keeping their hands in front of the ball at impact. So yep. you've got like, if you can flatten out that wrist at the top on a baseball player, like you're going to have a long ball hitter on your hands and they're generally very good athletes. So a lot of the things that you don't teach, but um, they're good at naturally like timing um, and hand eye coordination. And then you just, you know, with practice, they get better because they're just an athlete. So that part of teaching, right. teaching them is always a real fun time, you know, because I usually see results really quickly with them. Right. Their hand-eye coordination is there. I mean, it's, it's scary if you get into like the, the physicality of both motions, they are very, very similar. Yeah. Um, and it, you actually see like with Bryson in the last couple of years, Matthew Wolf's another guy. You, you see more and more guys, myself included, like I, I tried to pick up some more distance and you see more guys having like that step and move with their front leg. Yeah. And, it's, and it, it has to derive too from baseball. Like it's, I actually think that they don't, they don't use it as much in baseball as they probably could. Um, maybe just because you're using a bat instead of a golf club. Yeah. It's, and it depends on, like, I actually don't mind like the, are you talking about like the left heel coming up a little bit like long drive style? I actually, mm -hmm. I don't teach my students like keep that left heel planted with your backswing. I, I see what it does to the rest of their body. And if it's picking up their whole thoracic cavity mm -hmm. and making mm -hmm. it impossible for them to rotate properly, then we put that heel on the ground. But there's a lot of people like, especially my juniors that rear up like that. And it, it just helps them load better they get this idea of like where to kind of return to as they shift that pressure and can get more power that way. I'm totally fine with that. There's a guy on Instagram, Lucas Wall, who posts a lot of content and like all of his students have that left heel off the ground. It's fun to see. And a lot of long drive guys do do that. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not a teach. I generally teach that kind of one plane golf swing impact zone, more Norman move kind of, you know, I like a forward press and, drawing the line in the sand and hitting it in front of it. That's kind of what I teach, but there's not one specific little thing that is like, Oh, this is for everybody. I don't think. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't know why, and we're going on a bit of a tangent here, but I don't know why in the last, like maybe tigers era a little bit, but there was like a negative stigma with having your left heel come off the ground. Yes. But if you go, if you go to Jack Nicholas, if you go to anyone in that era, Jack is a perfect example. His he he did Matthew Wolf's move before Matthew was born. Like he and he hit the ball a country mile yeah. with persimmon clubs. Um, and that's literally I mean, I had a little bit different resources, and this kind of goes back to the self-diagnosis, but I would have time during my workday to go into like our simulator and try different motions and and different timings to see how my club head speed would react and that was literally I, I just watched I, I was fortunate enough to be with Cobra at the time when Bryson was 
going through this massive change. And I, I just, I just watch what he's doing. He's not doing anything that's crazy. He is working out like crazy, but, but in terms of his like swing motion, it's nothing that's like, he's not just jumping out of the way or anything that's mind blowing. He's just, (laughs) he's understanding that you need separation in order to create lag and to create speed. I mean, it's, and you have to figure out, I, I won't go into too much detail again, but I, I went to a guy, Ryan, Ryan Faust, Fausty golf, uh, who was nice enough to get me in a studio and he has one of those, um, I think it's like a plyometric board, but it basically like measures your forces up, down and around. So yeah. we have three, three different forces and I'm only maybe 155, 160 pounds sopping wet. Um, but we go on the machine and I'd been doing like this whole te- like trying to pick up more distancing for a couple months. And he looks at me and he goes, I don't think I can really do anything different. You're kind of doing what you're supposed to be doing because I'm getting my ground force to go in a certain way. Yeah. You're maxed out, but he didn't want to break the news to you. (laughs) Well, I mean, I hit, I hit, I've always been able, and that's another thing with teaching. You can't really teach distance. I don't think you have to, I, whenever I have little, like my friends with kids and they're asking me like, how do you learn? Just have them swing as hard as they can. That's always my, yes, my, that's the best my mindset. There is like just swing hard and your body just gets used to doing something faster and faster, like anything else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I was fortunate enough when I was growing up, our, uh, the bag boys at my club were all bombers, like four out of four out of the six hit it 300 plus. So it was always like, and again, this is like the people you play with and you grow up with, but I was a little kid and I saw how far they would hit it. And I would always be like, I got to figure out how to hit it as far as, as far as they can. Um, but anyway, you have, you have one more question that we got to ask. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that this one is designed for you though. It's asking, um, what it feels like to be the hottest golfer over 30. (laughs) So I get this question about, I, I am, I don't look like it. I still get carded at movie theaters, um, but <laughs> I, I'm 31. Uh, yeah, that, that was definitely directed at me. I get this 100%. question at, le- at least three times a day. It's tough. Uh, it's tough. I would say the hardest thing is probably making sure my wardrobe is like up to date. Like you guys might not think I put a lot of effort into this, but this is all premeditated. Like this is, um, you know, my social media, maybe a little bit of a front because I'm trying to make sure I, you know, I go on my hot girl walks every other day. You do. I went on one today. Um, It's, it's, it's a, it's not easy. I will say it's, it's a lot of pressure. You keep it together. Um, well, like you're very humble, like despite all of the, um, fandom and everything, like I just, you're very down to earth and I, I, I appreciate that. It's got to stay grounded. What, what, yeah, I get a lot of like, do you have an only fans? Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the works. I'm actually, I'm trying to create like a golf version of it, which I don't think will take off very well. And it's only, it's only men. 
So I don't, I don't know how that's going to, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to pan out. Um, oh, you know, I bet you'll end up with a few subscribers somewhere. Um, that's so funny. Love it's, it. it's, it's a tough, it's a tough life out there. I mean, it's, you know, I have to separate the social media side of my life to, you know, the rest of my personal life. It's not easy. Um, I, I will say a little bit, like it does get stressful. You know what I'm saying? Like just, oh, you got to put the phone down and take a break and then trying to figure out like, why am I spending so much time on this? And it's like, it's, you know, definitely beneficial, especially me being like a female golf instructor. Like you've got to have an Instagram, but it's like, I'm the worst with social media. So I'm just trying to like learn it as I go along. And, uh, it's, it's not easy. Somebody's got to do it. I, I think the best advice I can give is we all need breaks. Yes. I need, I need social media breaks. And just um, don't take any of it seriously. Like, cause I'm very sensitive. <laughs> Somebody will say things on there and I'll be like, Oh, like I didn't realize my golf swing looked like Shrek. Like that sucks. And then I'll cry <laughs> about it. And then I just have to let it go and just understand that maybe that person that wrote that comment was having a terrible day. And, you know, not all of the content that I post can be freaking flawless. So you just no. gotta just like in life, when you walk away from that conversation, you're like, Oh, I might've said something, just let it go. You know? Yeah. You, you can't make everyone happy. Um, you know, they don't, it's always funny when you get haters on online, it's like, you're sending me the shade, but you're also following me. Like, yeah. you don't, we're not, no one's forcing you to follow me and obviously you followed me because you have some sort of you know you get something out of it you get some sort of entertainment out of it um you know it it's that old saying like no press is bad press like or all all press is good press however you want to phrase it in theory like in the way that you're using it i agree with it sometimes i just wonder though like what are they thinking when like for me, it's always kind of been like, oh, I want to post golf videos or whatever. But then somebody will be really critical saying like, oh, you didn't post it in this way or this way. And I was like, well, I wasn't really thinking about it. Like if I'm posting true to myself, like, isn't that what the whole point of it is? Like, not that I do it according to these rules, but just that I post when I want to and post what I want to post. And I think yeah. not only should I have that right, but everybody else should, as long as it's not really offensive you know breaking right. the rules we're just, we're just trying to do our best we're, none yeah. of us were given none of us were given a blueprint um hot you know. over 30 <laughs> <laughs> i think you have some uh, different dms than maybe i'm getting um <laughs> <laughs> or or it might be the same guy. I think I might have had that same guy. Maybe maybe he's, I think he's it, got a yeah, thing. For sure. He's probably got a thing for both of us. I no, mean, and actually my um following, I think because of the content I post has always been uh pretty wholesome and golf related. So I'm grateful for that. Like lots of people that are very encouraging and um it's not like I have a million followers or anything, but I definitely feel super supported and um like well loved by the people that I'm on Instagram with, it's really fun. So yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a great tool to connect everyone. I think yeah. you, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's great for golf. There's it's, it's, I think it's, it's created a whole another genre on there that probably wouldn't have existed otherwise. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's given me a platform, giving you a platform, 
uh, I keep it, it makes me think of this like video trend that I keep seeing that it's like you see a little blurb. It's like nobody watches your videos, and then it goes to like your following screen. It's like these five hundred people, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like care about what I post. Like it's all for fun. Like maybe a, a little bit, a little bit of uh, business behind it. But I think at at the end of the day, we're not yeah, going to for networking. Essentially, you know, getting being able to meet new students, people like yourself, um, uh, all of the fun girl professional golfer friends that I have on there, some people that you don't get to see too often. It's just a great way to stay in touch and meet new people and get right. good um, stuff out there and get good stuff in, you know? Like, I've learned so much. Just uh, my mentor worked with Mike Bender for a long time. My mentor, Jeff Costin, who's wonderful and on um, just watching Mike Bender's Instagram, it's like you can learn so much, you know? And so I'm really grateful for that aspect of it. But like you said, you got to cut it off at some point before you get a million thoughts in your head about like <laughs> Bender gets technical with it, man. Yeah, but, I, I think it's a, it's a great informational tool. I use yes. it for, you know, content ideas. I use it for like random things in my life. Like I've started using it for cooking. I don't, Oh. I mean, it, you, you do, I use it for like home improvement projects. Like you find different accounts that are like, man, that's kind of useful. That's kind of useful. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great golf tool videos. and golf videos. And, and if I'm being honest, I wouldn't have this podcast without social media. Uh, yeah. That's how I connected with Mackenzie originally, I believe. And the whole oh, backsling the whole backswing family. I mean, there were some mutual connections, um, but without that, we would not be having this conversation. So um, I think we have gotten to the allotment of our time. Steph, thank you so much for coming on. It's definitely been a different insight into, you know, the teaching professional side of golf. Yeah, thanks for um, having we'll, me. Good talk. We'll have, to, we'll have to have you on for another one. Maybe we'll do like some on-course lessons and you can you can fix some of my issues. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have to say, though, I, I went hit balls two days ago and I was hitting it pretty good. Feels so pretty good. Yeah, I, probably because you didn't have those million thoughts in your head, right? You just went out yeah, and hit the ball. I had, I had two. So I think that's as much as I can handle for right now. Um, I think it was Ben Hogan that said like two or three is the perfect number to have <laughs> little swing thoughts. Little swing, or if you can have nothing at all, that's always. Yeah, that's I think that's better. That's better than having too many. Um, well, again, thank you so much for our listeners thank out there. Um, this has been another installment of Off the Collar. We will be uh, joining again next Wednesday. Be sure to go check out our new segment, The Morning Scroll, where I just go into a little bit more detail on what happened over the weekend. This last one was a fun one because I had to talk about the whole PGA Tour and the live conversation, uh, a lot of drama coming out of that, which I'm sure we'll be talking about the rest of the year. But Wait, again, what happened? No, I'm <laughs> Pretty, pretty insane. Uh, but for um, the rest of our content, go on Spotify, Apple Music, and to see our full episodes will be on YouTube as well. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. This has been Off the Collar, powered by Backswing Golf Events.